Well, I had five in uh, last week, and, and then I had three this week. So splitting the baby. We're putting it at four. <laughs> Is that an expression, or are you just making stuff up right now? Welcome, everybody, to the R&R CatCast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy Welcome back, Bobcat fans. The Bobcats come out of Macomb with the win, and now we prepare for our last non-conference game. How you doing tonight, Thorny? I'm doing darn good because we won a game, and it's always good to do this podcast after a victory. How are you doing? I'm feeling better today than I was Sunday. <laughs> yeah, you were kind of down a little bit after that victory. Yeah, I think I gained some perspective, and uh, we'll talk about that yeah. tonight. So. For sure. All right. A little show outlined for us. Um, First, we're going to look at um, some news. Uh, We're going into uh, the game recap from last Saturday against Western Illinois. Uh, We'll do a little game preview for Norfolk coming up. And uh, we'll do our closing segments with some buy or sell. We'll recap our bold predictions. And sprinkled throughout, we're going to go into our golden koozie questions. Uh, So be prepared for those. Yeah, we got some good responses on those. Want to thank everyone for submitting the questions here. Um, we'll kind of ask a few that are relevant to the content we'll be talking about anyway, and then we'll finish the rest off at the end. And I did try and book a Norfolk uh, beat reporter, podcaster, anybody in the world who could possibly do it. Uh, the one guy, the main guy that I would expect to do it, never responded to me. And then the other guy uh, just had a scheduling conflict. So. We don't have anyone to talk about it, but that's probably for the best. I don't mind. <laughs> you know, those segments have been really interesting, and they have been really like fun to do. And when you listen back into the, the podcast, they come across really good. So it was disappointing to me just a little bit that we didn't have anybody to talk to this week. It's true. They do provide some good insight, and they make it our job a little bit easier because – they do like uh, want to do a little bit research on the team because they know everything that you're, you're uh, there is to know about the team already. That's very true. That's very true. All right, Thorny. Hey, you got a cold one back there? I sure do, and it's nothing fancy. I have Coors Light. Is that your go-to uh, light beer there? I don't know. I don't really don't have a go-to light beer. I just whatever. Oh, I haven't had this one in a while. When I get to the store, basically rotating between like Coors Light or. Miller Lite or Michelob Ultra, whatever. <laughs> They're all the same, really. <laughs> oh, man. When I when I think of Michelob Ultra, I think of like a guy's like rollerblading. And so when you just said that, I pictured you rollerblading. <laughs> it was just made me laugh. <laughs> Why on earth would Michelob Ultra make you think of rollerblading? Oh, just they're, <laughs> they're like ads on TV, man. Like all the guys doing all the active stuff and then. Everybody goes out to the bar and sings a song and uh, raises a cold Michelob Ultra, you know, so. <laughs> no, I am um, definitely like uh, I was thinking like there's the active commercials where everyone's working out and then they meet at the bar and they drink the low carb beer so they don't get fat. But pretty sure I don't I wouldn't make the connect the dots to rollerblading. But hey, that's it, it's all for a, up for interpretation, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, maybe it's just me. <laughs> I'm, I might be a loner on that one. So I do have a pair of rollerblades about 10 feet from me. So <laughs> when's the last time you rollerbladed? My wife and I, when we first moved to, we first bought our house, we went rollerblading around the ne- neighborhood for a couple of weeks. So about seven years ago, actually. That's that's sooner than I've. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. So tonight I am drinking what's called the Sky Kraken from Fremont. It's a hazy pale ale, and it's, uh, it's kind of a cool can. It's like this blue can, and it's got this um big Kraken taken down a Zeppelin. It's really kind of wild. So um, Fremont over in Seattle. Uh, I've had a couple of their beers on uh, the show before. While I was sitting in my fridge. My wife picked up this six-year. It's pretty good. But does the Kraken turn blue or the ocean that he's in turn blue when it's cold enough? No, it's the Sky Kraken, so it's in the sky. Oh, Sky Kraken, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, I get my Krakens confused. The land the Kraken, Kraken, Sky Kraken, and the Sea Kraken. <laughs> the Kraken is orange colored, and it's taking down the Zeppelin. So <laughs> it's very, it's a, it's, it's a really weird, like when you're like contemplating it, you're like, okay, well, I don't know what's really going on, but. You know, you don't think too much about it when you're drinking the beer. So True. I'm just going to slide it into my golden koozie and off we go. There you go. That will enhance any beer. All right. So uh, first things first, uh, let's get some news out of the way. Um, first thing that came out today was the movement on our FCS poll. Uh, the cats went from number 10 to number 8. Do you think that we are legitimately currently a top 10 team? So I thought about this, and historically, the answer, well, my short answer is I'm going to, ha- I'm really undecided, So, but I'm going to choose yes on this, and here's why. If I go with historics on this, or history, <laughs> I should say that, if I go with history on this, if you look at past top 10 teams, um, there is a lot of sprinkled marginal victories that you should have like if you're looking at paper you're like oh they should dominate that but you know uh, they squeak by and whatnot and that that, you know we're going to talk about that's what happened to montana state uh this past weekend and you know they get the benefit of the doubt if they win you know they just keep they either stay you know static or move up and so you know if we were at 10 last week which i thought was about right you know somewhere in there uh, and we win on the road in a tough place such as Macomb. Yeah, I think uh, climbing two or climbing one would have been about about where I would have thought we would have ended up. So are we a top 10 team? I guess we are. I don't feel like we're there yet. I mean, obviously we are. And I agree with the logic that, hey, we were ranked number 10. We had a win. So, yes, we move up, especially with some teams in front of us losing. So, I mean, it makes sense that we moved up. It just doesn't feel like we're quite a top 10 team yet because we don't have a quarterback situation that is uh, playoff caliber, in my opinion, just yet. But we'll get into that here in a little bit. I am curious, though. So you think that we're about a top 10 team. Uh, I preface this by saying that we vote in the Big Sky Podcast Network power rankings. I don't know if any of you follow that on Twitter. There's a group of all the podcasters from the Big Sky who created this network. And one of the uh, content things that we create is a power ranking, which is different than a poll, a little bit more like a week. You and I kind of view it as a who would you least like to play right now. So it's not a more predictive poll style, but 
you weren't so kind to the Bobcats in that poll, were you? <laughs> <laughs> so you can bring that up. <laughs> no, I had them sixth in out of 16 teams as of like this week. And like I said, or I guess I didn't say, I said it to you prior to a recording. Uh, I, I voted on that yesterday and I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable with the cats victory today than I was yesterday. Although I still think I would have been pretty close to that five or six spot. Where would you have put the cats Saturday night? I would have been consistent, probably a sixth. I think, you know, um, so for a quick recap, I I had Weaver up top, uh, followed by, um, I'm going to forget now, but UC Davis, and then Eastern after that. And then I've had, no, excuse me, the Grizz and then Eastern. And I put um, Northern Arizona in front of us, um, mainly because, uh, man, I just got to watch their game on Saturday night, and they look good. They can move the ball up and down the field really easily. And I was feeling a little bit jealous. And so I think that's why I put NAU in front of us at the, at the during this week. It's so funny how things are influenced by what you're able to see. Like, I watched part of the Sac State game against Arizona State, and I thought, man, Sac State looks really good. So I've been kind of high on them in my power rankings, which I uh, submitted last week. Uh, UC Davis, number one, Weber, number two. And then I had Eastern even after that loss, just because I still think they took a tough environment and they yeah faltered in the fourth quarter, but I still think they're probably the third best team currently. Uh, then I had the Cats, and then I had the Grizz because... I went back and forth, like, the Grizz, should they be above us after that decent performance against Oregon, which I watched most of it. They actually looked pretty good. But in the end, a uh, road win against a Missouri Valley Football Conference still makes a better team than a decent loss against Oregon. So that's my top five, Grizz number five, Cats number four. No? Well, we're pretty close. So. Yeah. Yeah, pretty close. All right. All right, so that's how we voted on that. Let's keep moving here. Uh, Tristan Bailey, Big Sky Player of the Week for three for three field goals, including the one that you and I and Shane Driscoll on our text chain, you and I, uh, that last one, like, no, you go for it here. Don't kick the field goal. And Shane's like, now you kick it. And they kick it, and they made it. So kudos to you, (laughs) Shane. We were both wrong on that one. No faith in Tristan Bailey apparently on our side, but uh, proved to be a good call. Um so that was good for Tristan Bailey. Kudos on a great game. And I'm sure Western Illinois will be happy to never have to play against Tristan Bailey again because he's pretty much, what, like five for five or six for six over two games? Something like that. I thought he was seven for seven. Was he he's four n- for four last year? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, so- nail- he's nails against <laughs> Western Illinois. So <laughs> it's pretty funny. But he's <laughs> really inconsistent otherwise. <laughs> so oh. True, yeah. Yeah, whatever it is. He sees that purple, just kicks right through the uprights. <laughs> Let's right. see. What else we got here in the news? Uh, Isaiah Infonze is back on the depth chart, listed as a starter, and Carl Tooker is off the depth chart, assumed to be an injury of some kind. So Shane Perry moves into the third spot there, which is a little interesting as well. Uh, Demarius Hosey, not on the depth chart, but I don't think he was last week either, if I remember correctly, but I don't know. We'll see how that shakes out. And... Is there anything else you want to talk about the depth chart wise? Did I miss something there? Yeah, I just don't think Afonso is going to play this week. I think that's some gamemanship right there from Cho. I just think he's just going to rest him until conference play starts. He did say in the press conference that uh, if that was a conference game last week, Isaiah would have gone. So that yeah. 
again, gamemanship or not, I believe when he says that if the game was more important or came closer, you know, he probably would have started him. But anyway, rambling. Last thing, uh, news-wise, of course, we always talk a little bit about the press conference. Um, what did you think about that? Anything stick out to you there? I just, I always come away uh, just, just beaming, uh, smiling. I just love listening to Chote. I think he does a really good job of giving uh, just respect to our upcoming opponents. Um, he really talks up our opponents all the time. And he mentioned this last year. He goes, you know, by Monday, I don't believe we can win. Uh, and by middle of the week, I think we have a chance. Uh, but I always <laughs> feel like he does. Like if you listen to him talk about uh, Norfolk, you, you would think we'd be playing, um, you know, some power team. And, you know, I'm not trying to discredit Norfolk, but uh, they're not. And, uh, but Choate does a really good job of going through all their players and, you know, schemes and whatnot and gives you a good picture of what to expect. Uh, but you got to take that with a grain of salt knowing, um, his track record there. So, yep, agreed. Um, the, the thing I thought was pretty interesting was his, uh, his commentary on penalties. Did you hear that part? Yeah, 21 flags. <laughs> well, more specifically, that he, like, uh, what did he say? He said, like, he, do- he doesn't mind the aggressive penalties because that's how he wants his guys to play. He doesn't want, like, the dirty or, you know, the stupid penalty. But, like, if you're playing a little bit and they go a little bit beyond the whistle and you're being aggressive, he's okay without penalties. But the other thing he said that was interesting, too, uh, is if you're dominating a team, he says for some reason that the referees start calling flags in the kicking game. Did you hear that part? Yeah. And he said, but he'll take the 10 yards and leave the message. So what does that mean? Like uh, on a kick return, if you, one of your guys blocks too hard and you get the penalty, he's okay with that because it sent a message. Is that really uh, <laughs> how I took that? I think, yeah. I don't know. I didn't think too much on that, but I would assume that's probably what he's saying. <laughs> I think he's just like, I think he just wants to say, you know, if we're coming across as a physical team and that's what you're calling us on, I'll take that all day, every day. The other interesting part, yeah, let's just, we'll talk about this next part. And once we start talking about the game recaps or anything else you want to talk about from the press conference or anything? Yeah, like just briefly, I thought he did a real good job of painting a picture on like the logistical challenges that McComb brought to the plate. And that kind of helped me reframe my just perspective on the game and the outcome of that. So I was wondering kind of like your take on that. Just on how he paints the difficulty of traveling there. Yeah, and just like, you know, he in quoting, he said, you know, it's not a great at- atmosphere. Uh, you know, he talks about how just like the locker room situation was even worse than like going from the field house to the stadium in Bozeman. Uh, just I think it's to, interesting. It's not yeah. necessarily something a coaches comment on all the time. So it kind of gives you a perspective. Like if Choach, could, uh, Choach if Coach Choate, sometimes <laughs> I combine those two words, if Choate goes there and he says stuff like that like uh i couldn't even no one was telling me when there was radio timeouts or tv timeouts or he's like it was just kind of a mess and i'm like pretty eye-opening really like i don't think he'd say that unless he felt pretty strongly about it yeah so just interesting comments not i think most coaches would probably bite their tongue in this situation <laughs> yeah it's like there's really no need to say that but he, he said it anyway so who knows why just wanted to vent yeah i think uh, i think you're right on that so let's parlay that into our game recap if we're talking uh, Western Illinois. And I want to apologize real quick. Last weekend on the po- uh, last <laughs> week on the podcast, uh, I listened back and I called Western Illinois Western Western Illinois 
probably five or six times consistently. <laughs> and, you know, um, I'm not claiming to be an English teacher. I'm that I'm not, but I should know that. <laughs> yep. Sorry. I, I should have saved you. That's my fault. I heard you say it. And I was like, ah, uh, well, maybe it's a different dialect thing. Like, I don't know. Maybe yeah. some people say it in certain parts of the country, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's Illinois, but uh, I'm just gonna let go. So I should have <laughs> saved you. My, my mistake. <laughs> Nope, that was just straight up me being wrong, <laughs> which I am a lot. So it doesn't surprise me, but that was pretty embarrassing after I listened to it. That was the first time I heard me say it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I hope I don't repeat that. And sure enough, five, six times thereafter, <laughs> I was like, man. Well, oh well. <laughs> well, there's plenty of kind of embarrassing things that happened on Saturday against Western Illinois. Uh, <laughs> two for 16, third down. That's pretty bad. Let's see what else was pretty bad. I mean, just the general, the penalties, the sloppiness of it all. But let me let me get into the uh, stats here real quick. So, Bobcats, eighteen first downs versus fifteen. So hey, we beat someone in the first downs. That doesn't always happen for the Bobcats. <laughs> Total yards pretty dead even. Three forty three cats, three thirty seven for the Leathernecks. Passing is two eighty one for the Leathernecks. That's only one forty nine for the Cats. So another day when uh, Bauman struggled throwing the ball, and we didn't have any little fly sweep passes to kind of get 60 yard chunks in this one. Uh, we did rush the ball. Okay. Without Afonso, Logan Jones did a really good job filling in, but we only ended up at 4.5 yards per carry and 194 yards on 43 attempts. So not, not stellar. And like, like uh, we'll talk about one of those was on an 86 yard touchdown run, whatever that ended up being Uh great run, but Turnovers really were one of the big things, too. We had two fumble recoveries and an interception that should have been a touchdown. Uh, and, yeah, we lost the ball once ourselves. But, yeah, penalties were one of the biggest killers. 12 penalties for 92 yards. Nine for the Leathernecks for 105. So, what a just a sloppy game. So, one word I would use to describe the entire game. Both teams, just sloppy. Jeff Chope mentioned uh, about the penalty. He said it cost us 263 yards, two touchdowns, and one possession. Where did he get the <laughs> math on that? I heard that. I was like, how did he come up with that? Yeah, he has advanced metrics we don't, we're not privy <laughs> to. Um, Cole Moore did it, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, one stat I, I did kind of come up with myself was I went through the game stats, and I was like, I wonder how many times we were in third and long. And I categorized third and long by third and eight. Anything like equal to eight yards or greater. Uh, we were in that position 12 times in that game. Out of how many third downs did you happen to get the total? No, I didn't. But, you know, still and that a lot, been, though. Still yeah, a lot. <laughs> 12 third and longs is enough for us to kind of pull our hair out, it feels like. And, and that was a really, I mean, that was a sticky point for us last year, right? And it's just like, oh. Man, that thing's rearing its head again. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just too many little procedural penalties, like a a false start, first fifteen, kind of dooms an offense like ours. <laughs> let's talk about the offense. Let's go through the offense, the defense, and the special teams. Well, let's start off with the offense. What do you think about the offense? Oh, so really, like the center, the focal point of the conversation for me, has to be Casey Baum and, and his inaccuracy throwing the ball. Um, as many of you are in the same boat as me, 
nobody saw the first half of the game. Thanks, ESPN Plus. But uh, for what I did see in the second half, uh, Bauman did not look very good. He didn't look rattled necessarily. I, I couldn't really tell what the issue was, but I think that stemmed a lot of the issues because Western Illinois is built to stop the run. They clearly only plan on stopping the run against us. They were planning on bombing, making some throws to beat us. Anytime Troy or Johnson came in there, just like load up the box up. They're not going to, they know we're not going to throw the ball. So we needed Bauman to make some throws. And I think actually, I think the staff did a pretty decent job of giving him throws, manageable throws to make. And he just was off. And I think that kind of just cascaded. And we saw what a Bobcat offense without a healthy Troy Anderson and no Isaiah Infonse looks like. And it wasn't pretty. No, it certainly wasn't. And to me, it was Bauman's worst game so far. Um, I mean, it's a, short sa- it's a short sample. It's only three games. Uh, but his errant passes are really bad. And, uh, like, I remember one time maybe he was throwing out to Cassis in the flat, and <laughs> like it, was, it wasn't even close. And Joe had mentioned um, earlier today, he's like, you know, sometimes it's transferring his weight. Sometimes he thinks he's holding on to the ball too 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 strongly and that does affect how it comes out of your hand what exactly you know, does that mean trans like the weight transfer i don't fully understand what that means okay so you know when he comes off his back leg you you load off your back leg and then you push forward and you come you know in and you drive off your uh excuse me you drive off your back and you and you land on your on your front kind of like a pitcher would you know coming off the mound sure yeah. and when you watch him like throw his successful deep balls he does it really well. Uh, when he's not like when he's doing these like quick plays, he you know he's he's quick to set his feet, and maybe maybe that's what he's talking about. He's like you know the transfer, the follow through might not be there. But again, I think it has something to do with his grip too, because you go try to go try to throw football and grip it hard. It's not going to come off well. Like I was reading an article re- recently where um, Drew Brees was talking about how to throw a spiral. He's like one of the most key things most people don't know is you have to have a light grip on it, and I think maybe he's just being too juiced up. But put it in perspective, though, um, Thorny. You know, we we knew we were going to have some struggles. Uh, he's not thrown one interception yet, and uh, he's taking care of the ball. And so, I'm willing to uh, live with this right now. And I mean, we have even with the struggles he has. Uh, we're still producing and we're still winning games. And I think that goes to show just how far we've come um, in the last couple of years. Agreed. Uh, I mean, there are some positive to take away. Like, like I said, without Troy Anderson, really without Isaiah and Fonze and Bauman playing pretty poorly, let's be completely honest. We still won a road game against a decent Missouri Valley football conference team. Like that's still like three years ago, this wouldn't have happened. Like Chris Murray would have a bad game and we would just get steamrolled. <laughs> like it's, it, it's still an improvement. But like, like you were talking about, I remember that specific throw to Cassis. It was so bad that it actually like, <laughs> I remember it kind of, I think it had so much like, like spiral on it that kind of started curving a little bit. <laughs> and, and it pretty much hit the defender, like almost right, right in the chest. Like I think the defender was breaking on the ball and it caught him off guard and he didn't have a, couldn't even get his arms up to catch it, but it was such a such a bad throw. It's like it should have been a pick six, and 
there's another one on the other side of the field where he just airmailed it out of bounds. Like, and these aren't plays where he's hurried or he's rushed. He's sitting there. He has time in the pocket. He makes his the right read, and he just misfires. Like nobody's catching that thing. So I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to think about that yet. But I will say that I was super impressed with Logan Jones filling in for Ifonze. What What did you think of Logan Jones's performance? Oh, man, he brought his A game for sure. It was like the best the, game. The bright spot. Yeah, he was the best game we've had from Logan Jones. Yeah, and it just makes you happy that he managed last year like he did, and so he could come back. But yeah, he was he was a stud out there. I think it proves that he could be a full time guy. I don't think he could do it week after week after week. But if you need him to come in for a game, he's gonna be able to do enough to move the chains and and, ha- and put you in a position to win. Yeah, he spells Defonse really well, and uh, he's a, he has the speed, he has the toughness, and I think when you got speed and toughness, that's a pretty good combination. Man, he like uh, mowed into some defenders and like fell forward over the top of them, like little. I mean, he's one ninety, one eighty seven, so he's not like lightweight necessarily. He's like five seven. You don't expect a little guy just to plow into you as hard as he can. He's a very physical runner, for sure. Uh, no, I just wanted. Um, your thought real quick on on bombing how many more games do you think you need to see before you're like okay i'm ready to pull the plug on bombing if like he doesn't progress well unfortunately uh we'll certainly talk about this a little bit more but i think norfolk his next game actually has a decent passing defense uh so obviously you're thinking all right norfolk stake a team maybe kind of like wagner which able to pass the ball over but i don't know if that's gonna be the case so I think it might look worse than it does. So I'm not ready to make the decision on that game solely unless he like plays really poorly. But gosh, like if if he's got to take a step forward next week, and if he does that, then I don't know. I, he's got to take a step forward next week, I guess. If he takes a big step back, it's going to be kind of hard to keep rolling with him, don't you think? It's interesting because that would be uh, contradictory to what uh, Chilton Company wanted to go with. So they said, you know, he's not going to have a short leash. And so can you imagine a uh, game five-ish, you know, maybe after Northern, Northern Arizona, uh, Bauman's still struggling, and then we, he gets pulled and Rovig comes in. Um, you got to wonder what kind of what kind of message that is sending, you know, you got to do what you got to do, but we're supposed to be a playoff caliber team on a playoff track. And so it's really interesting. They got to get that dialed in. It sounds like Choke still has a lot of confidence in Casey, which yeah. gives me um, a little bit of peace in my heart because I, I have, I have a lot of confidence in Casey still. I think uh, he just, the game needs kind of like, they always say slow down for him. I think he just needs to play some ball. I think he might be playing, a little too much in his head and just like go out there and just, you know, just, just do your job and not worry about it so much. And I think when he gets into that kind of groove, he'll find some confidence. So he's doing everything that Cho is asking him to do right now, except for making those, you know, those throws he should be making, but he's not turning the ball over. He's playing smart. He's not taking sacks. We've been sacked. What twice this year? Once. Once that's, that's an incredible stat through three games against anybody. You could play three division, two teams. They get sacked more than once. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's a decent stat. He's, he's getting rid of the ball. He's scrambling. He's actually strong enough too. like the pocket collapses. He'll go forward. He'll get hit two yards behind the line of scrimmage, but he'll fall forward for four total yards, which is a net of two, but it won't be a sack. 
<laughs> it'll <laughs> it'll be a two yard gain. So he's strong enough to like fall. For, he fall. I mean, he falls like six yards. So that's <laughs> yeah, how tall yeah. he is. So he just falls forward. and He's not going to get sacked. Yeah, it's tremendous upside. So it's going to come together for him. I really hope so. Um, I, I'm confident in that. And so, uh, you know, he just needs to, you know, keep making some steps. So he can't like make two steps forward, you know, one step back kind of deal. So, or one step forward, two steps back. <laughs> yeah, and, I got you. And that's kind of what it felt like. All right, Thorny, um, let's talk about the defense. Well, I think uh, real quick here, this is the perfect opportunity to get to our first golden koozie question of the oh, night. Oh, yeah. You say? Yeah. This is kind of exactly what we're talking about. So we got our <laughs> our first question from Tanner Gooch on Twitter. He said, how much confidence do you have in Bauman in a scenario where his scenario was, yeah, there's three minutes left in the game. You're down by four. How much confidence do you have in Bauman to lead a game-winning drive, or do the Bobcats still need Troy Anderson to get the job done? I'll pass that to you to start. <laughs> of course you would. And so here's my answer to that. I'm going with Bauman. I'm I'm okay with Anderson uh, to get the job done, but Bauman needs to have that moment underneath his belt. And so I'm going to go with the young guy right there. And if he can get it done, that's some invaluable experience that we have in confidence, confidence, confidence. So I'm going to go with Bauman. Do I have the confidence in him? Uh, if I had to put a percentage on it, I would say 60%. Yes, maybe 55%. But, I want him to have that opportunity, and I think, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to see him do it. So specifically, uh, this this changes on the timeline, in my opinion. Three minutes, I think it's enough time to kind of run the offense. The Cats are running it and still get the ball to your running backs. So I think in that scenario, I'm okay. I think it's perfectly fine because we can kind of operate kind of a normal offense. If we're talking two minutes minute 45 and minute 30 when you have to actually start making throws, the intermediate short passing game throws, that's where I'm not sure I have the confidence in him right now because he is missing those passes right now. And if it is nerves or if he's in his head, I can't imagine that's any better in the fourth quarter knowing you need to drive down and score a touchdown. Maybe he's the kind of guy that just like, just totally just changes into a gamer. There's guys like that that can play lackluster all game, but when the game's on the line, they just turn it on. So we haven't seen him be tested like that yet, but right now I would say I'm not sure I have the confidence in him to lead a less than two minute drive, but three minute drive uh, in the, in the scenario Tanner laid out here, I would, because I think we can still roll with so much of our typical offense. <laughs> You're trusting Troy Anderson to run the two minute offense. <laughs> Opposed to uh, Casey Bauman. I didn't really Is, answer the second part of that question. I, I'm just responding to the, do I have confidence in him to do that? I'm not sure I do right now. Um, but certainly, I guess I would more than Troy Anderson throwing the ball in that situation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. So if you're asking me to pick between Casey Bauman with a minute 45 left or Troy Anderson with a minute 45 left, uh, yeah, I might go with Casey Bauman on that because we're going to actually have to make some passes. Okay. Thanks, Tanner, for the question. So let's move on to the defense. Thorny, what were your thoughts on how our defense is performing? Maybe just like, uh, not just on uh, Western Illinois, but just overall. So I think the defense, the run defense has been salty. I thought they've been great. There's been very few holes to run through. I thought they've been aggressive. They've pushed the pocket back. I'm pretty happy with the defensive lines play. Um, I'm less happy with our zone defense. And I'm kind of 
in the middle about our secondary. Um, they've played good at times. They've played not so good at times. So overall, I'm pretty happy. I, th- I honestly think that so far we look better than we did last year. Uh, maybe the best that we've looked under Jeff Choate. Uh, we're giving up less points and we're getting off the field on third downs because what was Western Illinois again was five of 16 on third downs. So that's going to win you some football games unless you go two of 16 yourself. But the defense did their job. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I think the defense overall looks a little bit better from last year. It's still concerning um, the seams down the middle. And when we play our zone coverage, the uh, Big gaps opened up in the middle of the field are seemingly always plaguing us for some reason. So I don't know if that's just unique to our scheme or just unique to the Bobcats. I'm not certain. Uh, We seem to play a little better when we disguise our zone, kind of like play a a zone on the back end with their safeties and some man uh, on on the outside. But overall, I've been really been happy. I think our defensive line is as advertised. And I think there's a little bit of a silver lining too with Munchie being out with some of the guys like Eric Zambrano, uh, Tyree Gibson, getting some time playing on the corner on these first couple games before we get into the meat of the conference. I agree. And let's actually get into our second golden koozie user submitted question. Paul Morrison pretty much asked the exact same question. What's going on with the D when we play a zone? It seems like we're still letting guys run wide open when we switch to zone. The linebacker is not reading reacting as quickly, or is this correctable? Uh, you kind of just answered a little bit of that. I do think it's correctable, and I actually do think a lot of it is just the linebackers just not quite being in the right spot at the right time. And I also think part of it is we're relying a lot on our, on our front four, front five guys to get to the quarterback. And when we don't, because I, I feel like a lot of that was Western Illinois, we got like the pocket to, to collapse on the quarterback pretty well. But he hung in there, and their line actually picked up blitzes fairly well, and that's when he was hanging in the the class pocket, and he found the wide-open guy, and he that's where they had some of their big plays. So I think a lot of it is our defensive line didn't flush the quarterback, didn't really rattle him, and didn't get to him. We only had, what, two sacks in the game? Yeah, that was surprising to me. That was um, both in the first half, too. But, yeah, Samson stood tall in the pocket and delivered a good ball, especially over the middle. So uh, he was pretty salty. No, he's a tough kid for sure. He's a gamer. He's going to be a decent player. I think he's, what, a sophomore or junior. I can't remember, but I think it's going to be a good one for him. Yeah, I'm done playing Western Illinois. (laughs) Let's move on from those. They are tough, ugly games, aren't they? Yeah. (laughs) Knock down, drag out. That's what you kind of expect to play when you play a Missouri football team, you know, for the Missouri Football Conference. Any other thoughts on our defense, Thorny? Well, I mean, the other thing I want to talk about, too, is, I mean, yeah, so our our secondary has been spotty at times, but we're also missing Tai Okada and Greg Feiler. It it does not help when you have a first-team all-conference preseason cornerback out. Like, it just doesn't, because he's he's by far our best man coverage. Like, maybe, maybe with him in there, our zone problems would still be the same, because a lot of the guys that we've recruited, it's interesting, like, a lot of the guys we've recruited seem to be man to man and then we play a lot of zone, and they don't seem to like like Chote was saying in his press conference. Like it's a, you know, it's a harder thing to learn zone because man to man's easy. Like all right, I got this guy, you got that guy, boom, that's all you got to do. So mm-hmm. zone's a little a little harder to learn, and I think we just have some young guys, and we're missing our number one nickel and our number one 
corner and filers that could be attributing to some of the blown coverages. That long touchdown pass of theirs was because, according to the radio, because Jockway Allen fell down, I believe, right? Oh, I missed that. I believe, yeah. I think Allen just straight up fell down on that long touchdown and left him wide open. And that was kind of, wasn't really a blown coverage, but so there, there could be less points on the board. I mean, that's just kind of fluke. It happens, but overall, I think the secondary is coming along too. And I just, I still think the linebacker play needs to improve. And again, how much of that is because Troy Anderson was limited. I don't know if he makes a big difference. If he's in there, I you imagine he has to just from his speed alone. I remember one thing I, um, kind of talking a little bit of Grizz here, Bobby Houck's press conference, I listened to a little bit of it, him talking about Oregon, like they're athletic enough that if they make a mistake, it doesn't matter because they're they're fast enough to make up for it. And I kind of feel like uh, Troy Anderson is in that mold. Like maybe he's not in the right spot, but he'll be fast enough to get to the right spot before anything too bad happens. What was Troy Anderson's injury? Is it a twisted ankle? Uh, I think that's what I read on the board, but I'd never heard anything official from anybody that just said he wasn't hundred percent and that he may have tweaked an ankle, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So, um, quickly recap my mind. What's Tyokata's injury? I actually have no idea. Yeah. Okay. I was just wondering his timetable. I know, uh, Munchie might be back, um, soonish, not quite certain. Uh, apparently he had a surgery. And when you have a surgery, they typically heal a little bit faster. And so uh, looking forward to getting him back. But, you know, the time, like I said, the time spent with uh, the Gibson boy back there and um, Zambrano, the two freshmen, um, that's invaluable for them. It is. So, <laughs> and no, for us, because we're going to need them all. <laughs> exactly. Like if we're winning games right now with these guys getting all this experience, it's only going to help us in November. Because if there's one thing that Choke teams have consistently proven is they get better throughout the year. All right, let's quickly talk some special teams. We alluded to Tristan Bailey just being nails. Um, so maybe let's skip over that. But, man, we couldn't get out of our way on special teams. It was like either uh, just really good or really bad. We uh, just like what what things that stuck out to me, Thorny, was just how often we just gave up such good field position on kickoffs. They were hitting the 40 pretty regularly. At one point, I think you contacted me and said, let's just kick it out of bounds. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I did say that, yeah. Um, so that <laughs> 35 was super, sounds better than the 40, right? Yeah, that was super frustrating. Watching Lane Sumner take it to the house and getting called back on a holding call was super frustrating. And so I was just just super frustrated with our special teams by and large. I mean, with the, you know, notwithstanding Tristan Bailey's uh, just field goal kicks. So, no, that's wow. a good point. That's a good point too to kind of bring the defense back into it. Like, yeah, the defense you have to take that in consideration too. How well the defense played, considering the the, the short field that Western Illinois had to work with all day because of yes. poor special teams play. And I also feel like maybe I don't. I mean, I may be wrong on this, but I feel like Tristan Bailey wasn't kicking it very deep on his kickoffs. Like they no. take, they're taking the ball like the five, ten, or fifteen yard line sometimes. Mm-hmm. That could have had something to do with the win. It was real windy. Uh, that's certainly a part of it. But And again, we only got to watch the second half, which I think was kicked into the wind. I don't know. For for a big chunk of it anyway. I don't know. But it was, just, yeah. it was a weird special teams day. And Choke didn't seem to be very happy with the, uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, what is it, the uh, effort by the guys on the unit. So he said a long two-day chat with those guys. So 
wouldn't want to be in that room right now. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But, I yeah. think those those will get that will get solved. I'm not too worried about that. So All right. Well, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, you know, the road win is a road win, man. Uh like you said, I felt better about it after kind of re- reflecting on it, but man, it's it's good to get a road win and that was a kind of a monkey on Choate's back. So that's yet another as I talked about last week, just the list of things that Choate hasn't quite been able to do well yet road win against a you know a solid fcs opponent for sure so now we have two solid fcs wins on our resume which plays into that number eight ranking we have it's true uh, uh we are excuse me northern illinois was 12 and 0 coming in before this game in non-conference openers in macomb and so we are now t- they are now 12 and 1 with that one loss being us so it is a tough place to play um, it's like, like I said, the more I think about this win, the more I'm comfortable with it, uh, even with the frustrations I had. So, yeah, well, they're what, like 34 and two and they're out of conference home games in the last decade or something. Pretty, pretty crazy. Like I, I didn't know any of that before we played them. So it's kind of impressive to hear that coming out of it. For sure. Well, our next, our next opponent's not so... Uh, story of a program. Let's talk a little bit about Norfolk State. Well, they're from the Mid-Eastern Atlantic Conference, uh, or commonly known as the MEAC. Uh, they're one and two MEAC. right now. Uh, their their first was a twenty-one to twenty-four loss of Old Dominion. Apparently, that's their rival. And Jeff Chope kind of talked about that game today. Uh, they went home uh, the next the next week and won against a Division two team, uh, Virginia State, forty-four twenty-one. And just recently, they lost 46-7 to Coastal Carolina. Uh, they have a couple uh, big-time players. Uh, one that one that jumps out to me is uh, Nigel Chavez. I probably said that wrong. Nigel Chavez. Yep, that, there, there it is. Number nine, their linebacker, senior, 230 pounds, 6'2". Uh, he's all over the field. He had 18 solo tackles uh, already this season. And then they have Jawan Carter, their uh, number eight their quarterback who's a junior six foot 175 uh he's he's all right but I, and i know they run the offense through him um he's passing around 200 yards a game which is you know nothing huge but it's something so uh what are your thoughts on them it's funny to hear choke call carter kind of a mini chris murray <laughs> mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because you kind of forget how actually big chris murray was he was like six two wasn't he yeah Tall, linky guy. He's, yeah, he was. He's taller than I remembered. But anyway, yeah. So that's an interesting comment. I did watch a few highlights and a little bit of an ESPN replay of the game. They, yeah. They, I mean, they're not a bad looking team for sure. But let uh, let's not. I've seen some inflating of them on the board. In my opinion, I mean, this is a team. Let's see. They were picked seventh, I think, out of ninth in the preseason conference. Uh, they finished four and seven for like five straight years. They have some talent and don't get me wrong. This isn't going to be a gimme, but East coast team from the MEAC traveling all the way to Bozeman. That's just typically doesn't end well for teams traveling that far. Cause I would just found out traveling all the way to Macomb. Like it's easier to get to Bozeman, but you know, those teams that make that long all the way across the country trek, that's, that's a hard thing to do. Um, so I think that they do have some talent, and I think Juwan Cotter is going to present some problems. What else did you see from Norfolk, perhaps, that uh, you think could give the Bobcats some trouble? 
not much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if that's if that's that's my short answer. I watched. I mean, ESPN has a couple of their highlights in this probably like two or three places, if I'm honest. And so that's literally all I've seen. And I was like, okay, what can I take away from this? Just watching this, and not much. It they they don't seem that physically imposing. So it was much more complimentary than I am. I don't, I, I don't think there's too much to be worried about with these guys. It's not even like, you know, how I mean, I'm going to bring up Shadron State. You know, you would have thought, oh, there's, I don't think it's going to be a thing like Shadron State. They, they don't have a player like Danny Woodhead or some sort of diamond in the rough that's going to just light us up either. I no, think and, and everyone knew about Danny Woodhead too. It's not like Danny Woodhead came out of nowhere. He was like <laughs> breaking records before we even played him. So anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, no, I just think this is really analogous to last year's Wagner's team that we played. So I'm expecting the Bobcats to establish the run um, and then um, build some confidence with Bauman in some of the passing plays. But I think how the Bobcats win is first through the war, through the run on the ground game and then through a more – you know, dialed in the air attack too. I'm going to do my best Jeff Choate here. I'm going to build him up a little bit. So on defense, eight of the nine top tacklers return. Their passing defense last year was pretty much a top 10 passing defense. And so far they're doing pretty good in pass efficiency defense this year, considering they played two FBS teams. They are 37th in passing efficiency defense and 28th in passing yards allowed. So they do have a pretty good passing defense. Um, they know that they struggle with the run. They did switch to a 4-3 this year. They used to be running a 3-4 to try and actually alleviate the issues they've had on run defense um, where they haven't succeeded so far. Uh, the rushing defense is currently 102nd in the country, giving up 247 yards a game. I want to say that Coastal Carolina may have rushed for about 400 yards on them last week. So, And the Coastal Carolina's a good team. Who They beat Kansas, and Kansas just went up and beat Boston College, so it was crazy. Crazy world we're living in right now. Um, mm. But so they do have some good things going defensively. Um, offensively, I think, is where it's it's kind of hard to find some real bright spots. Juwan Cotter did run or pass for 2,300 yards last year and, and uh, rush for 338 more. But I mean, those aren't like off the chart numbers. Those aren't numbers that I was like, oh man, we got to worry about this guy. Those are decent numbers. Uh, they're leading rusher returns and Aaron Savage. But again, he had 400 rushing yards last year. So not exactly lighting it up. I've noticed that Carter, um, Aaron Savage, and a third guy's name, I can't remember, all have 25 carries exactly so far this year, so they, they're pretty balanced, but they're only rushing for like 3.06 yards a carry between Aaron Savage, Gerald Hullett, and Juwan Carter. So they're not exactly lighting it on fire in, in any category offensively. Their rush defense is not doing very well, so that caters to our strength. Honestly, um, I just think that this game gets away from them quickly. Maybe we play sloppy like we have been the first half, but um, I, I expect us to win this one by two or three touchdowns. What do you want to see the Bobcats do? I do want to see some improvement from Casey Bauman. I mean, aside from the number one thing of winning the game, I don't want to see us scrap and win ugly and sloppy at home against an outmatched opponent. I want us to look like we belong in the top 10 and that's going to be all phases of the team. That's going to be the offense. That's got to be the quarterback for what we need it to be. It's got to be the linebackers. It's got to be the defensive line, the secondary lockdown. I mean, it's got to be a dominating performance and I feel like it should be. Yeah. Wagner last year was one of our best performances all around, just offensive and defensive. 
And that's what I'm hoping for the Bobcats this week as well. So it's kind of that repeat fun win where it's never really in question. All phases are just lighting it up going into conference play and just with some strong momentum right there. The one thing that I think Norfolk could have some success with is uh, some of that, that zone. If, if we continue to play the zone, like we did, um, they don't put up big numbers, but they are 30th in the country in passing efficiency offense as well. So mm-hmm. they don't throw all over the place, but they, when they do, it's efficient. So I don't want us to see us get into forcing them into third and sixes. And then they just pick apart our zone for 10 and 15 yards and just keep moving the sticks. We really need to get to the quarterback. And I think we'll actually, I think we'll do a little bit better with a guy like that, who's going to be more likely to escape the pocket and not stick in the pocket like uh, Samson was for Western Illinois, because I think we have the kind of the, the athletes along the line and linebackers to flush him and get to him, or at least make him make a rush throw or a bad throw, or instead of a guy just sitting there with the world on fire around him and just firing darts like Samson was. Mm-hmm. I think the matchups just are favorable to us. I think a team from a, a not traditionally strong conference that's picked seventh, who continually finishes four and seven, traveling all the way to Bozeman for our first home game after that kind of tough road game. I just think they're going to get steamrolled. I don't want to be too confident on this, but I think that this is pretty much going to be a, a decent margin of victory for the Cats. Yep, me too. It's the Stripe It game in yeah. Bobcat Stadium. I've never really got behind that one, but it's kind of cool when you see it. So I've never uh, been to it. I think it'd be fun to go to. Does a, Do they provide the shirts for the fans, or do they just tell them what color to wear? Good question. I actually have no idea. Okay, are you ready to move on from Norfolk? Yep, I think that really about covers it. I had anticipated talking more about him, but I think that pretty much sums it up as much as I can imagine. The only other thing that comes to mind was when I interviewed Jacque on the Big Sky Media Days, he has some friends coming over uh, on this game, and so that's going to be a special game for him. All right, well, let's move on to... What do you want to do? Revisit our bold predictions from last week? Okay, yeah. So let's do that. I have them right here. I think I have them right here. You said Casey Bauman would throw for 200 yards. Yeah, wrong. Wrong. <laughs> it was kind of funny because I, when I said that, I didn't feel like I was being that bold. I was like, it kind of is for who we are, but it's kind of not. Like 200 yards isn't that much. But yeah, we didn't, <laughs> didn't even get oh. there. <laughs> You weren't the only person who was wrong. <laughs> I What'd said you have? Would, I said we would have greater than five sacks. I was, <laughs> that's when you said I was going to be so, surge bold instead of Mountain Dew bold. Yep. <laughs> we only had two sacks. And it was really frustrating because the second half, we were so close all the time. I wrote down in my notes, it's like, we're half a second away from getting to this guy. But he just keeps, Samson just keeps firing off these long passes. Man, we were close. So, um, Maybe if uh, Troy Anderson was in there when we were blitzing, we would have got to him. And, but uh, we only got two sacks, uh, Jacquay Allen and Bryce Dirk. So we were both wrong. Yeah, fun. It's always fun. We're both wrong. Yep. All right, let's talk about our bold predictions for this week, and then we'll get into buy or sell, and then we'll end it with the golden koozie questions. All right, my bold prediction is, uh, why don't you go first? I got to think of something. I know. I just scribbled mine down. I that was the one thing I hadn't <laughs> figured out. I'm gonna go with uh, three sacks, three sacks or greater. Do you think that's a bold prediction? I think that's bold. 
Uh, it's like mediocre, like it's like mellow quite... yellow. If we're going yeah. <laughs> citrus drinks, <laughs> all right. Maybe I I might revise that. So I'm still going to stay. I'm going to still stick with it because uh, I said five sacks last week, and I thought we were going to get that, but uh, dial it back three sacks. I got one. Why you keep thinking there? I think we're going to rush for 300 yards as a team. Ooh, okay. I'm going to still stick with my sacks. All right, I'll. I'll officially okay. I'll I'll split the baby. We'll go up to four. All right, four sacks, four sacks what or the, greater. What does split saying, the baby mean? It's whatever you want it to mean. <laughs> it sounds terrifying. That's what I think. <laughs> well, I had five in uh, last week, and, and then I had three this week. So splitting the baby, we're putting it at four. <laughs> Is that an expression, or are you just making stuff up right now? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Let's just move right. on from that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, let's go into the buy or sell. All right, Tony, you ready for the hot seat? Yep. Hit me. Okay, buddy. Um, the Western Illinois or buy or sell, Thorny, Western Illinois win was a quote unquote good win. I would say, yeah, I'd buy it. It's a good win. Okay. Any thoughts on that or just just that? No, we're coming up against the time here, so I'm just going to okay. keep it brief. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, okay. Buy or sell. Defense has been living up to the preseason hype. Sell. Not quite as dominant as I was hoping. I mean, it's close. It's real close. But as I would have to say, not quite. Okay. And number three, last one. Buy or sell, Thorny. I wear at least one piece of MSU gear to work on a weekly basis. Uh, sell it. I hardly ever do because I don't really have anything work appropriate. What do you wear to work real quick? I don't know, like a polo and jeans, really. So really nothing too fancy. I, if I had like a bobcat polo, I could rock it, but okay. I don't, I don't wear t-shirts. All right. Thorny, you're off the hot seat. Oh, fully by sell. The Western Illinois was a quote unquote good win. Um, if you would have asked me Saturday or Sunday, I would have said sell, but I'm going to buy that right now. I think yeah. that win, win over the Missouri Valley Conference is always good. I think just the logistical and weird dynamic that that weekend Macomb set up, you know, I think we we did okay. Was it a great win? Definitely not, but I will classify it as a good one. Number two, defense has been living up to the preseason hype. I'm going to sell that. I thought we would be more dominant in just like shutdown defense. We haven't been quite the shutdown defense. I thought, I think that mainly comes from the uh, Munchie being gone and Ty Okada being gone. And so when those guys get back or if they do get back, you know, I think uh, granted we don't have any other type of injuries to key players. And if Troy can heal up his ankle, yeah, I think we can be that shutdown defense. But as of right now, we are not, quite getting to that preseason hype we're close but we're not quite there interjection buy or sell munchie is the best nickname on the bobcat team well i'm trying to think of the other ones uh, no i'm gonna sell i'm gonna say choats uh <laughs> choats term for choats uh his uh pet name for troy anderson secretariat <laughs> <laughs> that's a good uh, one Oh man, it makes me just a little bit uncomfortable every time he goes. Yeah, we put Secretariat up to the pasture. Like, 
Really what you call them <laughs> in your head? Come on, choke. Anyways, but uh, <laughs> Munchie's good, but Secretariat's just that little bit more creepy good. And so I'm going to go with Secretariat. <laughs> when I said it, I was all ready to buy it. But then I remembered Jamad Monroe's nickname is Peanut. And that's pretty good, too. So Munchie or Peanut? Oh, Peanut. I like Peanut. That's pretty funny. Okay. I'm very, I don't, I don't know the story on it. Anyway, continue with yours. Last one for myself. Uh, by yourself, Holy, I wear at least one piece of MSU gear to work on a weekly basis. I'm going to have to buy that. We have a college, uh, college celebration day on Thursday. And so I always wear some piece of cat gear on Thursday to school. So there we go. Nice. Nicely done. All right. Last but not least, let's get into these uh, golden koozie questions. And yep. um, I'll take the first one. How about you take the second one? And uh, Sounds good. We'll alternate here. Okay, so those, this one comes from Helena Cat 95 on Bobcat Nation. When is it okay to leave for halftime tailgating? When is okay to leave for halftime tailgating? What do you think, Thorny? I think it's fine if you get back in your seat before the kickoff. If you if you're gonna leave and you're not gonna make it, then don't go. Like you probably should stick around and see the marching band, and all that. I'm not gonna lie. I usually left when I was in college and went and pounded a beer and got back in my seat. I never missed a kickoff. So there is no wrong answer. The right answer is be back in your seat before the second half kicks off. I totally agree. I totally agree. Do what and you want so time. Yeah, there's so many interesting drives that happen right on that onset of the second half. And so if you're not there, you're going to miss sometimes a game-changing momentum kind of play or drive. And so you got to be there. You got to see that. And plus, it's you got to be there for noise because a lot of people miss <laughs> that first drive. You know, so you got to get back in those seats, guys. I'll tell you a little story. I was so used to leaving at halftime and just being able to like, uh, it's all just real close at, at, at Montana State. So I just walk outside, back to your little spot, drink a beer, get back in the game. When I went to the Colorado game in 2006, um, I left at halftime to go get a beer. Realized it's not quite so easy. I ended up trekking quite a ways to the spot I had been drinking before the game mm -hmm. started. There was like nobody else there. Like me and my buddy went. There's like two other Colorado fans who uh, weren't very friendly. I'll just leave it at that. But we did drink our beer and we're walking back and we hear like cheering and stuff. We get in there. I missed like the one of the first plays of the second half was like Corey Carpenter like bombed it down the sideline to Mike Michael Jefferson. And I totally missed it because I trekked way too far to get a beer. So get back by halftime or you miss cool stuff. Yeah. I agree, man. All right. So the next question is from Chris Hammond, who is one of the hosts of the Tubs at the Club. Idaho Vandal podcast, he asked, is there a potential trap game on the rest of the Bobcat schedule that we see? Um, what do you think about that? Yep, November 9th, right before UC Davis, we played North at Northern Colorado. I don't think we'll lose, but talk about looking ahead. <laughs> Northern Colorado is sure bad right now. Nor uh, playing in Greeley is always weird in this bring-your-own-energy game. Uh, if there is a trap game on our schedule, it is Northern or November 9th. There, that's that's my that's what I'm saying. I would say Cal Poly on the road after NAU, assuming we beat Norfolk, assuming we beat NAU at home. All of a sudden, we're like what 
five and one at that point, or is it four and one? Four and one at that point. And then we travel to San Luis Obispo. Never fun, never easy to do. We always struggle with the option. If there is a trap game, I think at Cal Poly is pretty brutal. Oh, that's a pretty good one there, Tony. I hadn't thought about that one. I can see. Yeah, I, I like that. I know we always, always play that crap in California anywhere under Kramer. I know we're a little bit better now, but <laughs> I'm still like just still wary of it. Okay. All right. And our last question is what's the difference in power in our Big Sky podcast power rankings that we've been doing if the Bobcats don't have Munchie, Afonze, or Trey Anderson at first or having them all three be out at the same time. That's Shane Driscoll. I worded that really badly, but let's just say Filer, Afonze, and Troy Anderson are all out of the lineup. How does that change your power ranking, how you view the Bobcats? I think it has a big difference. Uh, assuming Anderson, Filer, and Afonze are there last week, I probably have, I mean, our, our win is probably more convincing. And so if we're more convincing, then I'm putting them higher up on the list because I, I choose that Bobcat power ranking, or excuse me, uh, Big Sky Power Raking is how we're looking that week. Um, and so I think that directly has a result. Absolutely. I, I had us at fourth in my last ranking. We instantly dropped below the Grizz. We dropped below NAU. And we probably, at this point, we dropped below Sac State, in my opinion. So we dropped like to seventh if we have all three of those guys out at the same time. My personal mm-hmm. opinion. We're still a good team. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, we're definitely not top five anymore. Well, those were our golden koozie questions. Thank you for sending those in. And if we send you a golden koozie, and today we are going to send Tanner Gooch. Uh, we choose you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. we, we, we read your question early on about bombing on, the, on the, if he would be the guy to lead a game-winning drive. Um, Tanner, I'm going to get that out to you tomorrow. Uh, if when you get those, if you would, it'd be really cool if you guys would like take a picture with them and then use a hashtag golden koozie uh, in your social media to to tag those and kind of get that movement going. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, congratulations. That was definitely the one that just made us like, oh, we hadn't actually thought about the scenario, which is gonna happen most likely. It was probably the most thought provoking one, and uh, that's why we liked it. Good job. Right on, Tanner. All right. So let's get some call to action and let's get out of here. All right. So as usual, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, all of the pot, pretty much every single podcast service on the planet. We, we are there. Um, subscribe, leave us a review. That'd be awesome. Um, one, one other thing I want to mention is if you guys want some more good Big Sky Conference content, make sure you follow the Big Sky Podcasts Network at Big Sky Podcasts on Twitter. They do a lot of fun stuff. There's the power ranking that we vote on and Brian Marceau, over uh, also part of the Tubs of the Club, does a great write up for each every single team ranked in there, and it's a pretty good read. They do they do real good work there. There's a podcast that's produced by uh, they have different panelists every week. If you haven't listened to it, it it kind of comes out on the Montana Mint um, their podcast feed. It also comes out on Tubs of the Club's feed, where it's kind of like a what's called Big Sky Big Takes. It's kind of like a around the horn style, but for the Big Sky. Uh, Ryan and I haven't been able to be a panelist on it yet just from scheduling issues, but we will be there eventually. It's a pretty fun listen. I would check it out. And I think on Fridays, they also do betting lines, 
which are pretty fun for all you degenerate gamblers listening to the show. I would check that out on Fridays as well. <laughs> Montana Parlay does a real good job of uh, kind of putting that together. So check them out. Uh, find us also. And just thanks again. It's been been real fun season so far, and we just appreciate you guys listening in. Yeah, keep those golden koozie questions coming. All right. Well, let's end this with a Go Cats. Go Cats. <laughs>